Rabbi Saya, good morning. A good Erev Shabbos. Erev Shabbos Kodesh. Parashas Vayeshev. Erev Shabbos Kodesh. Parashas Vayeshev. Tavshin Beidalit. And it's also Shabbos Hanukkah. And this podcast is being recorded very early in the morning, as I've sometimes done in the past. But this year, the Rabban Shalom uh, gave into our minds that we should be in the United States for Hanukkah. And there was a, a dual purpose. Number one is to be with our mishpacha, our wonderful children in Cleveland, Ohio, the Abram family, Reb Nissim and our daughter Ricky and their children, Yehuda, Yosef, Moshe, and Sarah, who many of them we have not had the opportunity to see for over a year already. And the only time that we could make it that would work for us, all of our schedules would be to come for Hanukkah. And the second and maybe the most important is the fact that both the Rebbe's and I uh, have elderly mothers who Baruch Hashem are gesund, but we don't get a chance to see them. So we wanted to come to Mekai in the midst of Kibbut Aim, which is a premier mitzvah. And both of us are going to have this chustio to Mekai in that mitzvah. We should be zoicha, not only Mekai in that mitzvah, but everyone should be zoicha to Mekai Many, many mitzvahs, especially with their parents, which is such a, a wonderful, wonderful mitzvah that we have, the Mekai in the midst of Kibbutzim. And this all takes place uh, in the backdrop of uh, everything that's been going on in Eretz Israel for over 60 days now. It's already, I think, the 62nd or the 63rd day. It wasn't easy leaving the country um, that we've been under attack, <clears throat> as we've mentioned in the previous Shabbos' podcast, by our enemies. And I just want to give a little bit of some of the, just leaving the country and uh, going to the airport and seeing it basically besides El Al, no one is flying from the foreign airlines directly to the United States. And the airport was basically empty. And as we went through the passport control, as you're walking down, we're taking the, the walkway. You see it's lined with pictures of the shvuyim, of those that are captured. Each one is a precious, precious person with family and parents and loved ones that are waiting for them. And the, the message of Achenu Kolbeis Yisrael, which not only were we zoicha to able to give a nigin this year to the words, hopefully the tefillah should and be heard by a Kodesh Baruch for Achenu Kol Beis Yisrael, which is Nesunim B'Tzor B'Shivya, that they should be zoichet, we take them out of the Afeila, from the darkness La'ira, to the light of Meshiba Legula. But this was, this was the, the, the effect of, of how we left Eretz Yisrael, and then we get to Chutz Laretz, and we land in the, Boston Logan Airport and the um, Xmas carols are being played in the um, are being played in the airport. It's a whole different environment. But I have to tell you that there's no question that the parsha that I was able to learn not only this week and on the plane and and now putting together the the concept I want to speak about on the podcast, this lends itself <coughs> to everything in life. And I want to share with you just some very, very simple thoughts. Number one is I saw a Gavalik Avort, which 
you know, every year we always say different pshatim. By Yeshiv Yaakov, it says Yaakov is, is living, right? And the parasha says, we'll say the words of the Hedekah parasha. As we pull out the foot, the, the, here in Cleveland, Ohio, they also have Svarim. Yaakov was Beretz, Meguri, Arvin, Beretz, Canaan. And then it says, Eilat Olos, Yaakov, Yosef. Yosef is Shvaz, Vishona. So the Mepharshim point out, Rashi, HaKadosh brings down, Loshan Vayeshev is that Yaakov, you know, wants to live in Eretz, Meguri, Arvin, Beretz, Canaan. And uh, the Loshan is, Bikesh, Yaakov, Yeshev, Vishalva. Yaakov, you know, wanted to live calmly and peacefully. Kofetz, all of Yosef. And Akadosh Baruch Hu does not allow him to live peacefully. Yaakov Avinu is uh, continues to have tzaras, and the Chazal say tzadikim that they they mavakshim leishiv b'shalva. What do you mean? Uh, you're going to get olam haba, and now you want to sit olam hazer. We've raised this point in the past, and we always said many many words. Like I saw Gaval the Gavort this morning. Then I was able to, a new, new Nakuda, a new Or, we want to share that new Nakuda, <coughs> a new Or with the Olam. Um, that many of us, you know, a lot of times we have, um, we have a certain way of how we go about life <coughs> in our tefillah, in our davening, in our mitzvahs. We kind of get used to things. Uh, kind of get what's called the road way of living. And the tzaddikim is not like that. The Kodesh Baruch Hu does not want them to live just on their on their previous previous lifestyle, but he wants them to always shoot for for the the new chiddush, the new way of living. And he, he bring down a gavaldik thing that Rav Yashiv Zatzal. Listen to this, Rav Yashiv Zatzal. For ninety years of his life, he was mekayim many many mitzvahs, but he used to learn different mesechtas with his talmidim. And when he was learning the sugis and sukkah, he saw that the Gemara says that the Anshu Yushalayim, they used to take out their luluv and their esrik with their hands in the streets on the way to the shul, on the way back from the shul. And they would be machav of the mitzvahs. And Rav Yasef then understood the nunukudah. He says the purpose is to show the chivav of mitzvahs. So he said that it's not correct that one should wrap the luluv and the esrik and the, the Lulav covers and the, the, the Esrig and the, and, the, and the Esrig box. No, one has to carry it in his hands. This was a Yashav's Chiddush. And then he was 90 years old, and that's what he did. You know, for a 90 year old person, all of a sudden to have to take the Lulav and Esrig in his hands, a whole different, a whole different Chiddush. But Rav Yashav, it didn't budge him. If this is really what the Pshat and the Sugi is, then this is what we're going to do. And Rav Yashav, for the rest of his life, from the time he was 90 till he was 103 for those 13 years, he was Mechadish and Uchidish. And this, that, he lived by that Chidish. That's the most important thing. Same thing they say that Rav Steinemann's that's all. Baron Leib, whose yard suit was just published this week. Rav Baron Leib, had Locus Negris, he used to light the candles in Lithuania and Lita. The minimum was to light it by Shkia, right by sunset. Then when he moved to Bnei Brak, and he heard that the Chazanish used to light it 20 minutes after Shkia, <coughs> so he followed in the ways of the Chazanish, because Chazanish was the 
the Mar the Asra Banebrak, and he considered himself a Talmud. And then later on he heard that the Chazanish really didn't hold of that essential lighting 20 minutes later, just that his father, <coughs> the Chazanish's father, the Kosovo Rav, used to lay like that. So the, the Chazanish did it, the covet his father. But the Edson, that really wasn't the sheet of the Chazanish. Then Rivaram Leib went back and he started lighting it by Shkia. Then he saw that it's brought down that if you light it right by Shkia, it could be it's still too light and people, you're not being the fires from the nest. So he would wait a few minutes. Like a few years later, he said, no, I'm not going to do it right by Shkia. I'm going to do it a couple of minutes later. And his Talmudim and his children asked him, he says, you know, <laughs> Rabbi, Yolandani Rabbi, like, you know, what's that? You, know, you have one on Hogger like this, one on Hogger like that. So Rabbi Leib said, every year I learned the Sugya. And when I learned the Sugya, I learned the Sugya. And when I learned the Sugya previously, I passed like this. Then later on, I learned the Sugya, I saw it differently. So now, if I see that this is really the way it's supposed to be, it's related not only just by Shkia, closer to Shkia, but a few minutes afterwards, then that's the way the Torah really wants me to do it. And this is a lesson in life. The lesson in life is that the mitzvahs that we have are those mitzvahs which HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us, and we should not sit back on our laurels. B'Kesh Yaakov Leisha is teaching us that we don't sit back Constantly being mechadish, and this is so apparent, such a gavaldika uh, message when it comes to the mitzvah of of lighting the candles. We don't just do one candle; we do another candle, another candle every day. We're meisif v'haylech. We paskin like beisilu meisif It's called mahadrim and mahadrim. Yes, we could be yotze with one candle, with one one candle. That's the mitzvah. And there yishu beisay, but. Beishamai says, no. Beishamai, and Beishamai says, your peich is vaylech. While Beishillah says, what do we do? We are moisah v'haylechim. We go up from Madrega to Madrega. And this is the message for all of us. In the midst of the difficulties, the tzaddikim, they look for how they can be mekayim, more mitzvahs. I think this is a great, great lesson for us on this Erev Shabbos, Shabbos Hanukkah. I say, I say over also, that we know that Yaakov Avinu is called the Midas HaEmes. Like it says, Titin Emes Yaakov, Chesed Lavra. And the Emes is truth. I saw it brought down that Rav Shimshin Pingus asks that really, we know by Abraham Avinu, his Midas HaChesed is very, very clear from everything that he did. His whole life was filled with Chesed, always doing things for other people. When it comes to Yitzchak, we call him Pachat Yitzchak, Indian of Pachat, because he was very, very careful about Yiras Hashem. That becomes apparent. Where do we see in Yaakov Avinu, in his story, that uh, he is considered Emes? And on a simple level, we always say, because Yaakov Avinu represents Torah, and the Emes is, and the Torah is the Emes. But Rav Shimshin wants to say a little differently. He says, and I think this relates not only to this question, but it also gives us chizik for everything that we're going through as well. That Yaakov Avinu, we know, he suffers in his life. In previous times, he's attacked by his brother Esav. Esav wants to kill him. He goes to Lovan. Lovan tricks him 
and he ends up having to live with Lovin for so many years, and he's building his Jewish family, and at the end, Lovin tries to take away everything from him, and he's Yaakov, I mean, is only in the end able to outsmart him. And then it comes to this week's parish, all of a sudden he finally has built his Jewish family, everything seems to be going good. What does he want to do? He just wants to be Kishlak of Lashem B'Shalva, and all of a sudden there's the hatred that goes on between Yosef and the brothers. And this continues for so many and so many years. There's so much suffering. But Rabbi said, in the midst of all of the Yusur, in the midst of all the suffering, Yaakov Avinu does not change his, it does not change his emunah in HaKadosh Baruch He continued to be the servant of Hashem under all circumstances. And that is true emes. Emes is when you're not deterred by the attacks, you're not deterred by the situations that come upon you. But your person keeps to his belief in the Rabbi Shalom. We've seen this by the tzaddikim. Tzaddikim, everyone goes through suffering. There's no such thing. All the great, you know, anything about the Rosh Hashivas and everything else. Rav Shach lost a child. Rav Yash lost a child. Rav Shnei lost children. Many, 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 it did not cause them to deviate from their tremendous belief in HaKadosh Baruch I heard a mice, I saw a mice this week that Rav Zilberstein should be gesund to son of Yashif, great, great Paisik in Eretz Yisrael, the Bnei Brak. You have to hear this. A family came to him, a family who has eight members of their family that are in captivity. Everybody said, think about the kid. It's, you can't even wrap that around your head. Can you imagine the amount of tsar that this family has? Eight members of their family are in captivity. And they came for a bracha, they came for chizik, they came for Eitzah. And Rev Zulberstein, when he heard this, immediately he took out of his pocket, he had a thousand shekel of cash, and he says, I'm going to take this thousand shekel and blue nether, I'm going to give it to Tamir Chachamim Aniyim in the city, in order that they should learn it, that should be a schus, they should learn that they should have a little extra panasa, and it should be a schus for your family. So the family members were so struck by this, I was like, this is like an immediate reaction. Like, you know, the immediate reaction was, okay, I'm going to give tzedakah. So they said, we want to also give tzedakah for these poor people. He says, no, no, no. These are Aniyah Iri. These are Aniyah for my city. So therefore, I want to, I have Aniyah Yerucha Kodman. You, you go, you have money you want to give, you go to your city and you, Mitzvah speak to the Rav there and you'll give money for the Aniyah Tamilicham in that city. Immediately said that. And then the, the, the families are so captivated by seeing the tsar that Rev Zilberstein had and the shtatvis that he had in their tsar. And then Rev Zilberstein says, Come, we'll say Tillim. And they said a few parakim of Tillim. And then they said, Achenu Kobes Yisrael. And then Rev Zilberstein broke down, broke down and cried. He felt the tzar to such a degree that he broke out and he cried. This is the way of the tzaddikim. The tzaddikim, they're together with Klal Yisrael. And the same thing with Bergman, Shlita, the son of Rav Shach, also another family came to him. Not religious, but they're looking and they're searching. They just want to have chizuk. And they came to him. So he said, first of all, he, he said, everyone should say together, and they all said, and they said it very, very uh, much with kavana, with intent. And then they asked him, is there something they should 
accept upon himself. Now, these people are not religious people. There's so many things he could have said. He said, my father-in-law said that you should, a person should be a to to bench from a sitter. And if a person benches from a sitter, he's thanking a Baruch for everything that he does for them. This is a tremendous school for bracha. It's amazing what he said. He said that this is what you should accept upon yourself. He picked out something, which is something which even a non-religious practicing Jew, as was Hashem, they should be zayzer to become practicing in, in all mitzvahs. They should accept upon himself one small thing. This is the 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 message of the of the gedolim. But we have the emes liyakov. We continue the gedolim. They look for a new chiddush when it comes in how they can be mechadish a new halacha that they didn't keep in the past. That shows the gavaldika emes. The bikesh yakov leishu v'shalva. The emes titan yakov is that even though we have yisurim, but still we have a munan akadosh baruch and we're mishtatif in the tsar of the rabbim. In the parsha, we continue to speak about the story of Yosef. Yosef goes down to Mitzrayim. Yosef before he goes down to Mitzrayim, he's captured by the brothers, and I was thinking that even though he's maybe not the first, but so many similarities. To the Shvuyim, Ruvain comes and he says, Don't let's not kill him, put him into one of the bayers. And he's placed into the ground in a bar, and what do the brothers do? They undress him, and then they decide after Ruvain's intervention that they're going to sell it, they're going to sell him into slavery. And they it says they see that there's a caravan of Yishma'elim coming from Gilad, and their camels were filled with all kinds of spices, as Rashi says, nice in the chayis, tzriva light. You take a look at the article and see what the exact translation is. And Rashi explains why was it important for the Torah to point out that the um, these Yishma'elim were carrying these particular types of of ingredients, you know, <laughs> is that important? The mice is being sold as a slave. So Rashi says, it comes to teach us the schar tzaddikim, because normally the Arabs would not carry these types of material. They would carry neft, they would carry kerosene, oil, which are of uh, a foul smell. But over here, the Rabbanu Shalom said, no, I want to make sure that the tzaddik is not going to be nizak. This week, Yeshiva, I went seven different Mahalchim from the Sefer, from Ebali Baruch Finkel. I want to quickly share just the highlights. Look at the way Chazal <coughs> pick out something. Is that so important that HaKadosh Baruch should give Yosef <coughs> a good smell? What's the, what's the prominence about it? So the Bali Musr, they all say different Mahalchim. In Kelim, they used to say, from here we learn out the lesson that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even when he does judgment, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the supreme judge, and everything is done with exactitude. There's a certain din, this is what a person, this is the that a person is supposed to have, and without going into all the different midah, connected midah, Yosef, it seems, had spoken Lashonar against his brothers, this is something <coughs> he deserves to get a punishment, but to what degree? He's going to be sold as a slave but up to a certain degree. It's not going to be something which is going to be so harsh. We're going to take away the reach ra. That's the way they learned it in Kelim. 
In Slabotka, they taught it a little differently. In Slabotka, they said the Mahalach is godless of them, the greatness of the spirit of men. No matter where a person is, a person always has to carry with him the great godless of what it is that I am, the creation of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. That's why in Slabotka, they dressed very, very prominently. They were they, they, they had, I remember the Rashiva of Rudiman, always dressed like a prince because they wanted to show that a, a ben is someone that carries himself with a certain covet, with a certain honor, not as a gaiva, but as the concept of godless Adam. And therefore, even though he's being sold as a slave, this being sold as a slave does not affect his godless Adam. And if there would have been a reich ra, which would have caused him some sort of tsar, that, <coughs> that was something which the Rabbanishman said, no, I don't want him to feel that he's not a gadol. He himself is still considered a prince. Yosef was Yosef when he was in the pit. Yosef was Yosef when he was the leader of Mitzrayim. Yosef was the Yosef when he was Shvaz Veshon. He was learning by his father. <coughs> in the Vardik, they said a different shot. The Vardik said, no, they, they spoke about Shifas Ladam. That man always has to check to see that he has worked on removing all vestiges of Gaiva all vestiges of COVID. So therefore they themselves would not dress in a, in a proper fashion. They did all kinds of things to show how man is really a shuffle. And over here, he says, they say that the Nevada said, look, you're being sold as a slave. Why should this bother you? Oh, the answer is it would have bothered you. It would have bothered you means that there's some aspect of gaiva that's still inside of you. Therefore the Rabbanisham wanted him to understand, oh, this part I'm still going to maintain. In the mere our Rosh Hashiva, Reb Chaim, used to say a different pshat. The pshat is that the Rebbe wanted to show his tremendous chavivus. And this is like the way we des- the way he described it. It was in the shikah. It was a kiss, kiss from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided, what am I going to do? I'm going to show Yosef that no matter where he is, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, is always with us. And the Rebbe said that smell was something that carried showing that HaKadosh Baruch is watching over him. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, um, as we say, even though they were in such a place, HaKadosh Baruch was with them. In Brisk, they said a different Malach. Brisk, they said that really the truth is, what was Yosef doing? Yosef was always learning. He was, and if a person is learning, then the Rebbe is with them at all times. So that's what a person is supposed to do in all Matzavim. They say the Rebbe his father, Reb Chaim, used to teach him how to think even when the bombs are falling. He's able to think in terror. This is a tremendous Madrega. Not many of us are on, are, are on this Madrega. So for sure, Yosef was learning. If Yosef was learning, he wouldn't be feeling any Tzara. So therefore, if, if the only Tzara he would have had is if he couldn't learn. And therefore the Rebbe said, no, I want him to be able to maintain his learning. And therefore he took away the Reich Ra. Because it would have been a Reich Ra, a foul smell. The Allah is not allowed to learn, but there's a foul smell. It tells, they said over a different shot. Ah, the Helika tells Yeshiva, which I'm now in Cleveland, which is uh, the home base of Tells Yeshiva in America. And it tells the most prominent Talmud from Tells, which is Mordechai Progomansky, that's all. And Rav Mordechai Progomansky used to say, Marshal, how do you differentiate between a doctor and a murderer? A doctor is also cutting up a person's body 
and blood is being spilt. <coughs> and a murderer is also cutting up a person's body and also spilling blood. How do you differentiate between the two? The answer is, you can see by the cautiousness that a doctor, what does he do before he does an operation? He washes his hands. He makes sure that everything is clean. He wears gloves. He doesn't want to create an infection which is going to affect the patient. He's there to save the patient. He might have to make an amputation, but the amputation is only going to give life to the person. The Ritzayach, his hands are filled with blood. He has no caring about, about hygiene, but washing his hands. He's bloodthirsty. As we see by the Ishmaelim who are trying to destroy us in such horrific fashion. Over here, the Rabbanishim was showing Yosef, Yosef, I'm with you. I'm giving you the good smell. It's the, not only the Chavivas, but it's the concept that the Rabbanishim is watching over him at all times. And therefore, Yosef understood, if the Rabbanishim is giving me this good smell, it means the Rabbanishim is with me. If the Rabbanishim is imay noichi b'tzaro, then I realize this is going to be a tikkun, and we're eventually going to see the bright things which are going to come out afterwards. And lastly, but not least, we said the seventh jot from the Hasidish Shederich, the Vorkover. The Vorkover says, whenever the Rebbeinu does Yusurim, Yusurim are only in the physical sense. But the Rebbeinu Shem does not want to affect our Neshamas. Our Neshamas are always intact. And that's why when Yosef got to Yusurim, the Rebbeinu made sure they should be able to have pleasant Keteris Besamim, which will indicate that we know <coughs> we make a bracha on the reich of the of the besamim because call on neshama the neshama is able to call out and to give praises to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So the Rebbeinu Shlom is with us and he gave us a gavaldike reich toiv. I want to end off the podcast and say over two avart on Hanukkah and also. The um, and Hanhaga that we that we that we saw we saw from the Gedolim. The part of it, Shirov asks that we say Al Anisim, we say Al Anisim on the floors. Val Mochama Shosis Alav is saying about your name as Manazem. We speak about the the battles, and they raise the question: We're supposed to give praises for the battles. We should give praises for the Nitzachin, for the victory. Why do we speak about the battles? That's something to be proud of. That's something that we're happy about. So. The Panovich Rav said, and only the Panovich Rav can say such a thing. Panovich Rav, who lost his entire family in the war, what did he do? He helped. He ended up building the Panovich Yeshiva, the largest Yeshiva in Eretz Israel, <coughs> at a time when people did not think the Torah could be built. And he said, the battle against the Yavanim did not end by Yehuda Maccabi. Unfortunately, it's a battle of the spirit versus the physical. And this is constantly taking place. We're constantly being attacked. Every generation is and the greatest battle is the battle against the spirit. And the Chiddush was that in the times of the Yavanim that there was Matisyog Ubanov, Yehuda Maccabi, there were a few who they were able to maintain the tenacity to Torah and the mitzvahs and they were willing to fight for it. They were fighting not because they were mighty. They were fighting because they had the might of HaKadosh Baruch Hu behind them. And therefore, we're giving thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu on the Melchamas that there are people that are still willing to battle. Till today, Baruch Hashem, 
throughout the millennium, the Rav Hashem has given us our leaders, our Mekai no matter where we are, that we're continuing to live a life of light. And that's why we give thanks also for the Muhammad's. We see another aspect which we want to mention. The Buzh of the Rebbe Zatzal, who was a Holocaust, it was in the Holocaust, it was in Bergen Belt. And the first night of Hanukkah, he somehow was able to get together some sort of menorah with some oil. Maybe oil wasn't the oil that we have today, but it was maybe from potato peels that he had. As I heard, they took the, the bare thread clothes that they had, they would take apart and it would make psilis out of them. Those psilis and those shmanim, ah, you can't imagine what kind of madrega they were on. The first night of Hanukkah, he made the three brachas, which we said last night. He made the bracha lahadlik, he made the bracha shasanisim, and then he made the bracha shechiyonu vikiyamonu vikiyonu azmanazah. And there was a non-religious Jew that was also interned in Bergen Bells. And he turned to the Rebbe and he said, Rebbe, can you please explain to me how is it possible? I understand the first two brachas you could make, but the last bracha, shechiyonu vikiyamonu vikiyonu azmanazah, here in Bergen Bells, which every single day we're surrounded by death. This is, a, some, this is something you could say that a Baruch gives you life for. So the Rebbe said to him, I want to tell you, I also had the same thought. And I was thinking, how can I make the bracha? Then I turned around and I saw all of the captives. I saw all of the yidden that were waiting for me to light. Even in such a massive of Bergen Bells, even in a massive of the death camps, but the Yidden are always looking for the light. And I said, if these Yidden are looking for it, so this is a time period we can say, And I think this is a, a concept which in the times that we're living, I have to tell you, as I was traveling, I landed in Logan Airport and we had to go through security to go onto the local plane. And there was a, he definitely wasn't Jewish. And he turned to me and he said, him and his wife and his children, said, you know, Rabbi, how are you doing? You know, how are your people doing? How's everyone in your family? He was able to notice that somehow I had gotten off the flight from Israel and I was going to, now going to be transferred to a local flight to Cleveland. I said, thank God, Baruch Hashem, everyone in the family is good, but it's a very tough battle. And we pray, but we know that God is with us. He said, I want to tell you that we're praying for you as well. This was a non-religious Jew. And excuse me, a non-Jewish person but there are righteous Gentiles, and they also believe that the battle that's going on in Israel, that we are the right ones. And uh, I have to tell you that I went to Davin in the airport as we were waiting, and I had time to Davin. And what do I hear? I hear that, unfortunately, uh, well, this is what's going on at these times. The Xmas carols are being played in the airport. And for somehow, some reason I was able to concentrate on the words in the Siddur and the Davin, and I had plenty of time to Davin, so I had a long Davening. It was a Geshmaka Davening. And I even saw insights into the Psukim and into the Tilim that we say, which I normally would not see. And I was able to separate myself from the carols. And after I finished Davening, I put away the Tilim. That's the funniest thing. In Logan Airport in Boston, all of a sudden I hear. Sivivan, so, 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 Hanukkah. All of a sudden, they start playing Israeli folk songs about Hanukkah. They start playing Hava Nagila. And it's really an amazing, amazing thing. It was Kemat Dugma, 
רב יוסף הצדק, not רב יוסף הצדק, but as a commanded dogma, if we hold on to the emes, then at the end, the Rabban Hashem shows us the sweetness and the goodness. We want to give a bracha to everybody, that we should be mishtatif, and we should think about the shvuim as we're laying the candles. Each one is a candle, each one of us is a candle. And we should be moisav ha'evach in our avodah Hashem, we shouldn't be leishet b'shalva, we should be like Yaakov Avinu, And eventually we're going to see, as the Medrash says in this week's parasha, everyone is being Isaac in different things, Yehuda with Tamar, <coughs> Ruvain with his inyanim, Yosef with the Achim, but really the Rabbanishim was being Isaac in the Irish of Mashiach. We hope that this parasha, which the Or shall Mashiach ben Yosef and the Or shall Mashiach ben David, Yehuda, is so prominently displayed we should be zoichel with our mahadrim and a mahadrim, with our moisif v'hoyuch, with our connection to the emes of Yaakov, that our banishum should be merachim al klal Yisrael, we should be yoytze achenu kol beis Yisrael, should be yoytze me'afeilu la'ayra, the darkness to the light, mishibud begula, from being subjected to being redeemed and to being, coming the nation of klal Yisrael, we should be zoichel the coming of Mashiach Tzidkenu, wishing everyone a wonderful Shabbos Thank you very much for listening. We want to thank jfoundations.com. If you could sponsor any of our activities, it would be another way of addressing and being able to give over Torah to other people. Go on the website and show your support. Thank you very much for joining us.